0: Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and make you like a warrior's sword. That is from Zechariah 9. And I love it because it's telling this chunk of a story that is just unfolding over time for us but God is outside of time he's eternal he doesn't have a beginning or an end he's just forever true he's just forever who he is and he reveals himself to us through time like you know through humans and and um and then he revealed himself even further Through the prophetic writings, it says in the end of Romans, through his son, through the proclamation of Jesus Messiah. And it's how we can understand and know God better. And, of course, there's more revealings that will happen. So we're stuck in this little moment of time for us, but God is outside of it. And uh, so when he tells stories or there's things in the Bible, it's like to him, he just sees the whole picture, you know. And for us, it's like, oh, here's a donkey, here's a this, but then this hasn't happened yet, or, you know, there's all this confusion sometimes. But um, I just love that about God, that he just, you know, like he's just outside of it all. And he can talk about, in Zechariah, the blood of his covenant before Jesus even shed his blood for us and established that covenant of peace to take away our sins. Hmm. That's good. Well, uh, welcome to Standing in Faith, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Kat, and I'm in the studio, as always, with Jeff. Here I am. And David. Hi.
1: So the subject today is the attribute of God as infinite and eternal. And um, I did some poking around, as I normally do, trying to get ready to do one of these episodes, and um, th- this is a particular characteristic or name of God. Um, the first time that I was able to find it was in Genesis twenty-one thirty-three. 33. Um, this is where Abraham was planting a terremisk tree in Beersheba, and they're called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Um. Which immediately made me think of that song. I'm not going to remember the lyrics. You are the everlasting God. Um, so, I I got curious and wanted to know more about what that word meant. And it's actually kind of a really cool word. I am um, not, I am not a Hebrew scholar. <laughs> I think it's pronounced "olam," and um, it means long duration, antiquity, futurity, forever and ever, everlasting, evermore, perpetual. And I'll stop there. I liked that word perpetual. Right? We think of you know perpetual motion and mm-hmm. things, but mm-hmm. perpetual means that it's it's always. It's always. Um which, by the way, is also one of the possible translations for the word um, always. Um, so anyhow, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. It actually appears over 439 times scripturally. Hmm. Uh, and it's usually in the form of the word that we're familiar with, "ever uh, everlasting.
0: Everlasting.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, um, when we first... We're talking about this. I, that old song came back to my mind. Ancient of days. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to sing it a lot, too. Ancient, yeah, oh, ancient of days. Yeah, ancient of days. And um, it's so funny because it, 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 every time I say ancient, I would think of this God sitting on a throne with this long white beard. You know, like he's ancient. <laughs> you know, and and it, it, it's God doesn't grow old you know like we think cuz we think in time mm-hmm. uh, it, it's hard for us to conceive that that god uh doesn't doesn't live even though he he looks into sees before sees the middle sees after everything and though he walks with us in time you know through the holy spirit yet at the same time he doesn't live in he's not subjected to time he's not affected by time like we are affected by it and um uh, so God is eternally always the same that's why it says he's the same yesterday today and forevermore because God doesn't grow and mature and you know there's a, a crazy theology out there it's called process theology that says God is in process. It mm. says that he hasn't gotten it together yet. Basically, basically that's what it's saying, Oof. that he's oh, is, still growing into it. Is you that know? that
0: philosophy where it means you can sin now because God uh, matured enough that now you can have your sin and God won't be against it? Well, <laughs> that,
2: you could easily put that into it. it It's interesting that the whole idea of process theology you know, is real heavily... Appreciated by people in the counseling field, um, you know, because they can bend things kind of like what you're talking about. But that God is in process; God is still creating and and figuring things out.
1: Well, that that's ridiculous. That's it. Actually, the opposite of what Cat started off
2: with. Exactly. Yeah.
1: The Cat started off with the fact that he He knew all of his covenants before they even were covenanted mm-hmm. right and he's withhold he's not withholding, but he's 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 obliging himself to maintain those covenants right and fulfill them mm-hmm. so that wouldn't be an in process thing that would have to have been a foreknown predestined thing well, <laughs> and I said the naughty word predestined, yeah,
2: but it goes back into the idea. When, when you when you create a theology like that, what you're doing is you're creating God in your own image. Yes, you're creating an image of God that you want Him to look like.
0: Oh,
1: that, that's idolatry, then.
2: Well, of course it is, but at the same time, it's it's it it
1: thou it, shalt it, not.
2: It's it's rewriting. It's rewriting what God. You know, <laughs> you re, you said the, the, the Hebrew word is everlasting God. Um, with no beginning, with no end, you know, lives outside of time, et cetera. And yet what what that kind of theology does is brings him into time and creates this kind of a God who's, you know, working with things, figuring things out, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's trying to bring God down to our level so we can figure him out and make him into what we like. yeah as opposed to who God really is, sovereign, powerful, almighty, all the kinds of different names that we've talked about so far, mm. um, uh, and eternal, not living in time and space. Even God's name, the very root name of God that was not allowed to be pronounced or whatever. I mean, even of course, even when he, he, he talked to Moses, he, he said, Who are you? He says, I am that I am. That word basically means that God bees. He, he he doesn't he, – he didn't exist before. He doesn't exist afterwards. He bees. He present is. Tense.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For him to be on time is present tense everywhere. Always. 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 Where's the, there's that word again,
2: always. Yeah, yeah. always. So he, yeah. he's, he's – <laughs> and, you know, that's why it gets so difficult for us because, you know, we have never known anything else but time. Get up in the morning, go to do this, this, Everything schedule or whatever, you know, in in your life, eat, drink, be merry, whatever it may be Mm -hmm. um, that you do, you know, it's based on time and your lifespan, you know. Now, we who believe like the eternal blood of the covenant that you read, who believe in that kind of thing, we understand everlasting life. But do we really understand it? Not really. We understand it, that we're going to continue to live on, but not in these physical bodies that are subjected to time that deteriorate and go away.
1: So there's an interesting idea we can talk about for a little bit. So if if God is eternal, and that means he's present tense always, and that we've been created, new, right, reborn, Mm -hmm. we are a new creation— Right, we now also, in effect, spiritually become immortal. Mm-hmm. Right, meaning we're eternal. Then, present tense us is part of eternity. Yes. So we're already living, existing, in eternity. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: Right now. Yeah. Well, that's and what now.
2: he says, "I give you eternal life." Well. If he comes to live in us, he's eternal, mm-hmm. and if his spirit becomes one spirit with our spirit, mm-hmm. that's eternal.
1: First Corinthians six seventeen. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: And so, so that it's it, it's interesting because it, you know I think even Paul in his writings was 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 trying to always get us to think in that context to think in the, in the sense of eternal. Mm-hmm. Um. And yet the time is short. Well, time is short. The time is short for what? For whatever it is. You know, they were always saying that. The time is short. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, There's a great harvest. We, you know, all of those kinds of things that need to take place. But at the the same time, (laughs) is that word, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's a sense of us of thinking in an eternal context of, like I said, Sunday, not trying to get heaven us to heaven but heaven in us now that eternal aspect now so that we begin to walk that out now and look like jesus now Mm -hmm.
0: when i get tempted sometimes to uh feel like i want things to go my way and not necessarily just like you know in my little life but just in the world you know i just want people to be obedient to jesus now i want everybody to just like be at peace now. I want all the, you know, the swords beaten into plowshares now, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I try to keep in mind the idea of if I was taking my kids, like, and they were little, you know, back when they were little, like, we're on our way to somewhere really great and say it's like a 15-minute ride, but on the way, they're arguing and, you know, imagine them arguing and jostling and, well, I want to sit in the front or I want to this or I want this snack or, you know, just like, All the little drama that would go on, and I'm like, guys, this car ride doesn't matter. Like, we're about to go to an amusement park or whatever. This car ride, once you—at the amusement park, you're not even going to remember the car ride. Like, who cares who has the crackers or who sits in the front or, you know, it's like, don't worry. When we get there, you're going to forget all about this. It's not even going to be worth comparing, you know? And uh, I just try to keep that in my mind when I feel that impatience or, you know, or even just feel that it feels selfishness, even for just not even something like lofty, like world peace or something. But, you know, just like I want to do it this way or whatever.
1: There's a song that I don't know. I I love this song. How great is our God? Um, But there's some there's some verses in it. Age to age he stands. And time is in his hands, the beginning and the end, the beginning and the end. Um, I I really, I think that that fits this idea right now that we're talking about of him being infinite and eternal. Um, because we've been talking a little bit about time, but there are some examples, scriptural examples, of where God was Clearly in control of time. Um, and the one that jumps out at me the most is is with Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. i I think that was second Kings
0: chapter twenty. All right. Hezekiah was sick. This is in chapter twenty. I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit. He was sick, and he was about to die. So Isaiah comes to him. And this is what Isaiah says. This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. So he leaves. uh, Isaiah leaves. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back. Tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah tells him what to do. Uh, to get him better. And Hezekiah asked Isaiah, well, what's going to be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I'll go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go go forward 10 steps or shall it go back 10 steps? And so Hezekiah replies, it's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps. Rather, have it go back 10 steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called upon the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps it had gone down the stairway of Ahaz.
1: Okay, so that that that's measuring the sun shadow. Can you imagine? I, I was just sitting there as you were l- talking through that. The, the first part is, right, Isaiah gets a really short little word from the Lord that essentially go tell King Hezekiah, He's gonna die in three days. Bye. That, that's pretty much what he did. He, I I got a word from the Lord. You're gonna die in three days, and then he turns and walks out. Um, how many of us would receive a word from the Lord like that and think it wasn't it wasn't God, <laughs> right? Well, oh, it did come, it back did to the come pit from Isaiah. Of hell, Satan, right? Uh, okay.
2: I would just think I gotta get my office straightened up because Sheila's not gonna know what in the world to do if
1: I'm <laughs> hey um i really like that section where god says hey look i heard your prayers i saw your tears um i'm gonna heal you that's that's valuable to me now so by moving time back right that means that at least i'm not a physicist and i'm certainly not A quantum physicist, and I really don't, can't say that I completely understand time. So I'm completely out of my league with what I'm going to say next. But to me, that means that there, there's something that happened that extended the day Mm -hmm. by who knows minutes, hours.
2: They say ten minutes. That ten steps would have been like
1: ten minutes, something like that, or
2: half hour, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea, but it, it. it
1: extended the day, right? Yeah. He he can, he can control time to the point where he either stopped the earth from spinning, which means there wasn't gravity anymore, I guess, and we all would have <laughs> flown up in the air. Yeah. You know, which I don't think happened because the Bible didn't say everything started to fly away. Yeah. Right? So that one check, no, nope, not, that's not possible. Or the sun was repositioned. Okay, that can you imagine that moving the sun? <laughs> that probably didn't happen. I don't know, right? I know, or, or the entire universe shifted
0: without what, a millimeter. Yeah, without everything just like exploding and falling well, apart, and this all just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah, but look
2: at the one where he does it for a day. There's another instance where they're having the fight, the battle, and he he extends the extends time even further. The time yeah. for well, Joshua, yeah, and Joshua, there's a story about this. Well, if you, have you got that scripture, cat? Uh, um, if you do, there's a, a a neat story about this when when it, down in Nassau, when they were doing uh, traveling and stuff, and they found that there was a glitch in time.
1: Oh, I know this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: and it just so happened there was this pastor there, who. Knew the scriptures, uh-huh. and the, and he went back and took that the one we read of Hezekiah and the one with Joshua, and he gave them the exact glitch that they had in time,
1: which, the durations of those two, oh, events, those two events. Then they added it all uh-huh. up, and they and it and matched it, and perfectly. It matched. Yes, yeah. yes, I heard that. Yeah, story. that's
0: really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the story you just mentioned is in Joshua ten, and um, the. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they were in the promised land and they're, you know, they're doing their campaigns They're warring against the people. And it's really God doing it, but, you know, they're kind of joining in. Um, and the people of Gibeon, remember the Gibeon people, they had made um, that, that kind of like treaty they faked that they were like from some faraway mm-hmm, place. Mm-hmm. And they made that treaty that had love the raggy clothes and moldy bread. Um, just look that up. If you guys don't know what we're talking about with that, it's an interesting story in itself. Anyway. All right, so this king of Jerusalem, who at this point Jerusalem was not in the hands of the Israelites, um, had heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and were living near them. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. So Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, and these other kings with the names, it's hard to read. And he said, come up and help me attack Gibeon, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. So then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lashish, Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. So the Gibeons sent word to Joshua and was like, Hey, you made a treaty with us. Come on. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all night march from Gilgal, Joshua took him by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them at the great victory of Gibeon. And so Israel pursues them all the way, and the Lord throws down hailstones and all this stuff. Um, And on that day, the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself and its enemies. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky, delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel.
1: Okay, so that's even greater than what, 10 or 15 steps, right? Yeah, That's an entire day. So, yeah, it's hard for me as I'm sitting there listening to you. I'm like, all right, so they marched all day. Then they, they marched all, night. all day. Yeah, they marched, marched all, all night, night. Fought all day, fought all day and, and then, then he extended it for another twenty-four or twelve yeah. to twenty-four hours, and they kept fighting. Yeah, so that's at least thirty-six or forty-eight hours of no sleep. Yeah. Yeah, they were still going. They're
0: still going, and yeah. they won.
1: Yeah. So that, that's absolutely mind-bending mm-hmm. for me. I just I can't wrap my hands around or head around that. But that's that's okay, right? That to me. Is where we start to get into just the the majesty, the awesomeness, the awe of it, the yeah, the splendor of our King, clothed in majesty. Here I go quoting that song again. Yeah. And Deuteronomy
2: thirty three, twenty six, I like this. It says, "There's no one like the God of Jeshurun." who rides the heavens to help you. And in his excellency on the clouds, the eternal God is is your refuge. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. I mean, that visual, that picture of of God, not only uh, is he, He's eternal, but he's, he's very much present
0: mm-hmm. with
2: us, you know. He, he doesn't live in time. He lives outside of time, but he's very much present with us, always present with us, never to leave or to forsake us. You know, and, of course, you may be going through something very difficult, uh, situations where you, you wonder, where the everlasting arms you know where is yeah. where is the god of of jeshurun as it said in there and and yet he he is ever 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 present he's there he he he, he grieves with us he lives through pain with us sometimes you ask well why don't you just take it away well those are probably some of the mysteries that one day we can ask god but for the present you know he we have to embrace the comfort that God's got it. God knows what he's doing. He's got this. He's got this. He's He's got it. Um, and maybe that's easy to say right now because I'm, you know, I feel pretty good and it's a nice day and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> maybe by the end of the day I, I, I would, you know. be Somebody
0: will cut you off in traffic yeah, and then you'll be grouchy. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know,
2: I mean, something like that. But... Uh, it, yeah, now, of course, now I've come to grips with the fact if somebody cuts me off of traffic is yes, God planned it that way. So
0: <laughs>
2: see, if, see if I'm receiving his patience or not yet. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I think if I was, like, taking my kids when they were little to an amusement park and uh, they were, like, each wanted to have a turn riding in the car on the way in the front seat, I would not stop the car you know, and divide the time up and let them, you know, I'd just be like, no, like, let's just go. Mm -hmm. One is sitting in the front and the we're going.
1: Let's bless the listeners.
0: God, thank you for providing redemption for us. Thank you for your everlasting covenant that you have paid for with your blood. We bless the listeners with transformation in their mind and in their hearts to remember your covenant that you've made with us and remember your steadfast love.
1: Father, thank you that time is in your hands. Thank you that you, you are the beginning and the end, you are the antiquity and the futurity, that none of this is catching you off guard, that this is all part of your, not just your plan, but your love for each and every one of us, wrap those everlasting arms around each of us. Lord, in Jesus' name,
2: I bless the listeners with a revelation and an understanding of just even a a small ray, even, of the beauty of your eternal existence and that you are eternally always with us in everything and wherever we are. And an understanding, Lord, of time that we live in now. You said in Ecclesiastes, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck, time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, time to weep, time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stone, a time to gather stones. A time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Give us grace to grasp that, Lord, in the midst of the times that we live in, and yet understand and honor that you are sovereign, powerful, and mighty. Amen. Amen.